We begin singing to God's praise in Psalm 125. Psalm 125. And this is from the Scottish Psalter, Psalm 125, in the Scottish Psalter. They in the Lord that firmly trust shall be like Zion Hill, which at no time can be removed, but standeth ever still. As round about Jerusalem the mountains stand always. The Lord is folk doth compass so from henceforth and for aye. For ill men's rod upon the lot of just men shall not lie, lest righteous men stretch forth their hands unto iniquity. Do thou to all those that be good, thy goodness, Lord, impart. And do thou good to those that are upright within their heart. But as for such as turn aside after their crooked way, God shall lead forth with wicked men on Israel, peace shall stay. We'll sing the whole Psalm 125, Thee and the Lord that firmly trust. <clears throat> before you today, giving thanks that we have this day where we're able to come aside from all the other things of life and where we're able to think about you. We give thanks, Lord, for the fact that you speak to us in your word and help us, Lord, to hear what you say to us. Because you've given us this book, the Bible, which is the greatest book in the world, and help us, Lord, to be reading it, and help us, Lord, to understand it, because so often we can't understand without your help. So we pray that you will help us in that. We pray to bless us all here today, from every age, uh, from the very youngest uh, to the oldest. 
And we give thanks, Lord, that we can bring all our needs and all our worries and everything that is uh, down on, on us, on our minds, and you're able to lift us up. And we pray that we might hear you and that you will indeed speak loudly into our heart. We pray to take away all the things that so often take away our mind from the truth and help us, Lord, to understand and to believe in you. Pray your blessing, especially just now upon the young people. We give thanks for them. And we pray that they may all grow up to know you, to love you, and to follow you. Watch over us, then, we pray, and take away from us our sin. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. I'm just going to say a wee word to the young folk. <clears throat> I'm sure you know that crossing, crossing the road uh, can be a very dangerous thing because cars come very quickly and sometimes cars come and we, we didn't really see them. So it's very, very important that we, we take a lot of care when we cross the road. There's what is known as the Green Cross Code. I remember you, they used to uh, put a lot of time talking about it. And the Green Cross cro Code tells you to do four things, four things about crossing the road. You're to think, you're to stop, you're to look, and you're to listen. First of all, you think, where's the best place to cross the road? Well, you wouldn't cross the road at a busy junction when there's cars coming up and down and across. That would be silly. So you think, where's the best place, the safest place to cross? So first of all, you think, and then when you get to the place where you're going to cross, you stop. And then after you stop, you look and you listen. It's not enough to listen, because just by listening, there might be somebody coming on a bicycle very fast, or there might be a, an electric car, and you wouldn't hear so yes, you've got to listen, but you've also got to look. And we're told that we're to look right, we're to look left, we're to look right again, and if there's nothing coming, then we cross. <clears throat> but you know, we should use the green cross code with regard to God as well. We should stop and look and listen and think, and putting it in a different way. Because the first thing we should do is stop. Because we live very busy lives, and even in the holidays it's busy, because you're always doing different things. God wants us to stop at times. That's one of the things he's done by giving us today. God's day, the Lord's day, Sunday. It's a day for us to stop. <clears throat> and it's a day for us to think. It's a day for us to listen to what God is saying to us, because God speaks to us in his word. And he tells us so many wonderful things. And every day we have to look at the Bible and listen to what God is saying. And we have to look. We have to look to Jesus, because that's what the Bible says. Look to me and be saved. Look to Jesus and be saved. You know, if you look up at night, and you go out at night, and it's dark, and it's an open sky, and you're somewhere where there maybe aren't too many streetlights, when you look up at first, you'll see, maybe you'll see a few really bright stars, and then you'll begin to see lots of other stars. And the longer you look, you will see more and more, and then you'll say, oh, there's hundreds of stars, and then you'll say, there's thousands of stars. Well, we know that there's even more than thousands. There's millions and probably billions, billions of stars. And even people with the best telescope in the world can't work out all the stars that are there. But you know, the Bible tells us that one of the men who wrote the Psalms, helped by God to say what to put down, he said, when I look up to the heavens, to the sky, which your own fingers framed, 
and to the moon and to the stars which were by you ordained. You, Lord, put these things there. And you know, the Bible also tells us that God counts the number of the stars and he names them one by one. So by looking, we see the wonder of God. So every day we should be in the way of thinking about God, stopping to think, stopping to look, because we see so much of God everywhere, and every day listening to what God says to us. So you remember that green cross code. Yes, for crossing the road, very important. But also, every day with regard to God, stop, look, listen, think. We're now going to say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day your daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We're going to sing again uh, from Psalm 32, and this is from Sing Psalm, Psalm 32. The tune is Arlington. Psalm 32, and we sing verses 1 to 7. The tune is Arlington. How blessed the one who has received forgiveness for his sin, whose sins are covered from God's face, whose debt is cancelled in God's grace. There's no deceit in, sin, in him. When I kept silent, all my bones with groaning were worn out. Beneath your hand I felt entrapped. Both day and night my strength was sapped, as in a summer drought. Then I laid bare my sin to you, the guilt that lay within. I said, O Lord, I have transgressed, and you forgave when I confessed. You pardoned all my sin. So let the godly pray to you while you are to be found. Surely when waves are sweeping past and mighty waters rising fast, you'll keep them safe and sound. Uh, to the end of verse 7, 5, stands Psalm 32 to the tune Orlington, uh, Bless the one who has received.
Let's turn now to read God's Word. And we read it in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And we'll read to the end of uh, verse 31. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, you see all these. Do, not, do you not, truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the close of the age? Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, Standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. But then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No one ever will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, look here is a Christ or there he is, do not believe. For false prophets, false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead, if possible, even the elect to lead astray. See, I have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, when the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken, then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Amen. And may God bless to us this reading of his holy word. Let us again bow in prayer. <clears throat> o Lord, as we bow in your presence and as we've come under your word, we've sung it and read it, we pray that this word of yours may indeed 
lodge deep within our heart. We know that your word is transforming and it changes lives, and we pray that our lives might be changed more and more by it. Those who still don't know you, that your word will today change their lives so that they will come to follow you. And those who already are following you, we still need that our lives will be changed and renewed day by day. We give thanks, O Lord, that you are the God of heaven and of earth, the God who ultimately controls all things. And we see, even as we read there, that we are living in times where nation is rising against nation and kingdom against kingdom. We're seeing the earthquakes and the famines all around. And these are things that you spoke about 2,000 years ago, which would be just, as it were, at the very beginning of the end. Help us, then, Lord, to live in the light of your coming again. Help us, Lord, to have an expectancy and help us to have a vision beyond the here and now so that there might be more of heaven in our lives than of earth and that we might seek to follow you with all our heart. Forgive us, Lord, for when we're lukewarm. Forgive us, Lord, for when we don't follow you in a right way. Forgive us, O Lord, for when we say and do and think things which are so contrary to your word. Forgive us, Lord, for how complacent we so often become in the society that we live in and where we become used to the way things are. Help us, Lord, to always see that your word is a standard by which we ought to live because it is according to your word that we will glorify you. And we're told that to, that is the chief purpose of our being here. We pray then that you will bless every single one of us here today as we come with all our own individuality, with all our own needs and worries, concerns, with our hopes and aspirations, with our longings. And we pray that we might be always going to you with everything. We're told in your word that in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. There's nothing too big or nothing too small to bring to you. And so we pray for the faith that every day we will do that and that we will look for the answer. So often we pray, but we don't see the answer because we're not looking, because sometimes your answers are different to the way that we expect. And so we pray that we might have spiritual eyes to see. Help us to see you in everything and to see that you are in everything. Help us always to remember that it's in you that we live and move and have our being. And so we pray that you'll be near to us and that you'll open our hearts to your word, that your spirit will be present with us, that we'll be conscious that the Lord is here. We know from your word that you are, but make us aware of it, that we may have a sense, a felt sense of your presence. Pray to bless every home and every family. We pray for those who are in need, for those who are going through really difficult times and hard times. Lord, we pray for those who are ill and seriously ill. Lord, today we remember Frances and all the family. She's very, very seriously ill. We commit her to your care at this time. And we do so with all who are uh, going through that momentous time where they are facing the uh, going to death's dark veil. O oh Lord, we pray that as a shepherd who has led in the green pastures and by the still water, that you will be where you have promised to be uh, in, the, in death's dark veil with your rod and with your staff to support and to comfort. We pray, Lord, for those who mourn, those whose hearts are heavy and sore. Death changes so much in life. And so we pray for every broken heart today, whether the death has been of recent times or long ago, that it's, it's, life is never the same when loved ones are taken. And so we pray for your comfort and your help and your strength and your grace when it is most needed. We pray to bless us as a congregation, bless all the work that is done here. We give thanks for every willing heart and willing hand that is engaged in the work. 
We give thanks, O Lord, that nothing is done for you, but you take note of it. Help us to do by faith. Help us to do in love. Help us, Lord, to go forward looking to you at all times. Pray, Lord, to bless us, and we pray for our young people, and we give thanks for school holidays, and we pray for Sunday school teachers, and we pray for our school teachers, and we pray that you will help them. We pray, Lord, for our nation, and we pray for wisdom to be given to our leaders. And even although they might not look to you, we still ask that the wisdom from above will be given to them so that they will direct us and lead us in the right way. And it is our duty, we are commanded in Scripture, to pray for kings and those in authority over us. And so we do. We pray for King Charles. We pray for our prime ministers and first minister. And we pray for all our governments, and we pray for our council, and we ask, Lord, to grant wisdom and direction. And we pray more and more that the ways of your word might be the ways that are lived in our land. We pray for all the nations of this world, and remember in particular the Middle East. It seems like a boiling point just now, and we look in horror at the things that have happened. O Lord, our God, we pray uh, that you might indeed bring peace. Uh, We ask, Lord, that you will indeed intervene and that you will show your hand. We remember, Lord, that you are the God of heaven and of earth, and we pray that you will indeed intervene. And uh, we still remember Ukraine and all the troubled areas of this world. All throughout this world there's conflict and hatred and violence and bloodshed. Some of it we know about, how little we do know, but it's taking place day by day. O Lord, comfort and build up. And we pray that the nations may turn to you. We read there that that all the nations of the world will yet hear of you. And in many ways we pray to hasten that day, because that's the only hope for this world. And so we ask that you will bless us and be near to us and grant us your grace. Uh, Be with James in the seminary. Be with Callum Murdo and family on holiday just now. Watch over each and every one. Grant us your grace in all that we do. And cleanse us from our every sin. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. We'll continue singing now in uh, Psalm 31. Psalm 31, and it's at verse 19. This is in Sing Psalms. Psalm 31 and Sing Psalms, verses 19 to the end. Five stanzas. Your goodness, Lord, is very great, prepared for those who fear your name. You show your goodness openly to all who to all who your protection claim. Your presence hides and shelters them from those who plot to take their life. And in your tent you keep them safe from evil tongues that stir up strife. The Lord be praised because he showed the wonders of his love to me when in a city I was trapped, surrounded by the enemy. Psalm 31, verses 19 to 24, the tune is Wareham. We sing to God's praise. Your goodness, Lord, is very great.
Let's turn again for a little to the chapter that we read in Matthew's Gospel, <clears throat> chapter 24, looking again at verse 12. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and, the end, and then the end will come. Now, as we know, the future has always uh, fascinated uh, people, and every generation is trying to predict when the end will be. People, of course, don't know. Uh, at very, every generation tries to make predictions. Scientists will tell us that uh, the way that things are going, uh, that the world cannot keep going. They might even make predictions as to when it is likely to end. Uh, leaders of various sects and cults have, from time to time, issued statements saying that the world will end at such and such a time. Even Christians at various periods have made predictions as to when the world will end, but they don't know. Nobody knows. And if anybody ever gives this prediction, uh, you know with a certainty that they don't know. Because the Bible makes it very clear. Jesus tells us this, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows. He says, not even the angels in heaven know. But Jesus warns us to be ready because he's going to come at a time when nobody expects. That's what he says. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you don't expect. And that's an all-important question that we'd have to ask ourselves today because we do not know when the Son of Man will return. And if we were told today that he was to return, how would you feel? How would you react? What would your, what would your take on it be? Are you ready for the Son of Man to return? And of course, we know the only way to be ready for the Son of Man to return is by coming to know him as our friend, as our Lord, as our Savior. Because if we are safe in him, then we have nothing to worry about. But if we're without Jesus, then it's in a bad place we are. And to reject Jesus really is the most stupid thing that any person can do. Uh, because to turn our back on Jesus is to turn our back on the most wonderful invitation that has ever been given to anybody. There's been never a greater display of love in this world than God's love to us in sending his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins. Because, you see, by nature we don't love him. By nature we don't care about God, we're not interested in God, uh, we don't have many thoughts about God. Maybe sometimes... When people are in trouble, they might all of a sudden, they might say, oh, I need to pray. There's a sense of crying out to God for help. But that's it. It's just a passing in that particular moment. And then God is forgotten again. People, by and large, don't think about God, and they're not too bothered about God. But God's love is so great to us that he's given us this book. And he's given us his spirit to show us how things are. Because we would never work it out ourselves. We wouldn't know how much we need to get right with God. Because we have within ourselves what's called self-righteousness, where we think we're okay. And that's the problem with so many people. That's why there's so much animosity towards the Bible. Because people say, ah, there's nothing in there that that's of any good. That's, that's just telling people that they're bad and they don't want to hear about it. But it's God in his mercy has given us this because we couldn't work it out ourselves. We wouldn't know were it not that God shows us in his word and shows us by his spirit how things really are. And the, not only has he shown us how things are, but he has shown us in his word, he's given us a remedy a cure for the problem. And he's saying to us, you are distant from me, you are away from me, you don't care about me, and as things stand, you're under 
my wrath and condemnation. Now, we don't know that apart from God's Word. But God is saying, I provided for you. I provided a Savior. I provided my Son in order that you can come back to me, return to me, and to be at one with me. And so we should be so thankful for this great provision that the Lord has made. Now, Jesus in this passage is beginning by highlighting many of the things that are going to happen before the end comes. And as we read through it, it's obvious that we are living in the times, the first times that Jesus describes where nation is fighting against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there's famines in different places, and there's earthquakes. We're seeing it all the time. Uh, Every year in our news bulletins, these things of famines and earthquakes and wars, we're seeing it, and it's becoming because of how easily uh, news is transmitted today. We're being what's happening, these things are being brought into our homes so we can see it. And we see also that, not only that, but many false prophets and false religions. And then you find that they're coming to the point of hating one another and betraying one another. And so there's this terrible catalog of sin and suffering, and it's a picture of a world out of control. But you know, the one thing that we're so thankful for is that the Lord is in control. And part of this control is that Jesus is telling us 2,000 years ago about what it's going to be like, and it's happening. Because the Lord knows the end from the beginning. But because of this incredible force of lawlessness, and we're living in such days where there's a, a complete lawlessness towards God. It's talking about lawlessness towards God here. Because of this lawlessness, we read that uh, the love of many will grow cold. And of course, it's speaking here about to the Christian, because Jesus goes on in the very next verse to say that those who keep going, those who persevere, keep going to the end. These are the ones who will be saved, who will discover what salvation really is. Now, as we know that the love of God, which we have in our heart, begins with God. We love him because he first loved us. That's the order of things. We wouldn't love him unless he first loved us. And by nature, as we said, we're going in the opposite direction. We want away from God. Adam showed that at the very beginning. He ran. And that's how we've run ever since. We're running away. But God in his mercy called Adam, and he's calling us as well. And that's the beauty of it. And we, we're drawn to him. When his love touches our heart, when we hear his call in the gospel, when we're drawn to him, it changes everything. We begin to think about him. We begin to think about him in a way we never thought about him before. But we don't just think in a kind of empty way. We find that there's a a drawing within our heart. We begin, to, we begin to think about him. That's how love works. If you love somebody, you think about that person often. And so it is with the Christian, when, when the Lord begins to work within our heart, we begin to think about him a lot. And there's a complete change takes place in our life. Because the overwhelming power of God's love changes our thinking, our mind, our will, our affections, our emotions, our heart. Everything goes out to him. And that's why sometimes when people are converted, particularly people who maybe aren't too much of a church background, and their friends can't understand what's happened, because all of a sudden, this person has changed Still the same person, still doing the same work, still involved in the same things, but they can't understand that there's a, it's because there's a new, new desires, new affection, a new love has been born in their heart, which changes the way they think. It changes the direction in which they're going. And that's, that's this, this great love that takes place here. It's an all-compelling love. But we see here that it tells us that 
because of this lawlessness that the love of many will wax cold. But this love of God displays itself in our life by loving God. And how do we love God? Well, in many ways, it is shown through our love for all that belongs to God. For instance, we love his day. And we're thankful for this day. It's this day that God has given us. He's given us the six other days to fulfill everything. And on this day, he said, we term it the Lord's day. New Testament mentions it as a Lord's day, the day that the Jesus rose from the dead. And it's this day where we're able to give our mind, as we were saying to the young folk, to stop and to think and to look and to listen. That's one of the great things about today. Where we're able to think about the Lord. We're able to stop. We're given this time to draw aside. And so the, the, the Christian is someone who, who loves the Lord's day. And we love the Lord's word. Because the Bible becomes so precious to us. You know, when you were first converted, you couldn't get over the... When you would read it, you would say, oh, you know, this, I feel the Lord speaking to me. You would find that the situation that you were in in that day, that the Lord was just there and he was directing you. He was showing you from his word. And you were, you were saying, wow, this, this is amazing. And so, as the Bible says, his word is more precious than gold. And you know, when you're in trouble or in difficulties or in sorrow or in pain or whatever... God's word is so important to you because often you will find something there and you say, oh, you know, that really lifted me. That spoke to me. That, that gave me hope that I didn't have before. Again, we love God's house. Psalmist said, I joyed when to the house of God go up, they said to me. Because God's house is a refuge to our soul. You will find Asaph, remember in Psalm 73, Asaph was going through all kinds of problems. He was envying the godless. He was seeing how people were getting on. He was a believer and he was saying, I've done all the right things and nothing is working in my life. And he said, it's been a waste of time. Then he went to God's house. And when he went there, the Lord spoke to him. Because you see, God is present here today. The Lord promises that. And that's one of the great things that when he went there and he began to speak to the Lord and the Lord to speak to him. His vision was changed. His problems in his mind were restored. He saw God was in control. He saw at the end that he was the one who had everything. Whom have I in the heavens? I but thee, O Lord, alone. And in the earth whom I desire, besides thee there is none. And also when we become Christians, we have a love to the church family. They are our brothers and our sisters. It's one of the evidences of graces. We're told that uh, we know that we passed from death to life because we love the brothers, love the sisters. And there's this sense of identity, sense of belonging, that they're all one. We're all one together in Christ Jesus. But sadly, our verse tells us that many, the love of many, will grow cold. And why? Because of the lawlessness, and because lawlessness will be increased. And that's where the whole ways of society are today, lawless against God. And you know, the sad thing is that not only is society within the individuality lawless, but even, even our governments are putting lawlessness in place for us to keep lawlessness against God. It's quite extraordinary. But you know, when we, when we get, we, we, we get it's part of human nature, we begin to get used to anything. And however things are, and things that maybe a while back would say, oh, no, no, we begin to become complacent and used to it. And we begin to say, oh, well, it's all right, it's this, it's that. Well, in God's sight, it's lawlessness. And it's, it's affecting the whole being. And it influences us. It affects our, our soul, our mind, our thinking, everything. We get sucked in by it. 
And because of the deceitfulness of sin within and around us, it often has an impact upon our souls. And that's why it's saying here that the love of many will grow cold. And an evidence of that love becoming cold is we see it in the very things that we mentioned with regard to our love for God. We become cold to his day. Day doesn't mean that much to us anymore. It was a day we, we really appreciated the Lord's day. Today it doesn't mean, maybe doesn't mean that much. It's the same with the word. We call God's word the daily bread. There was a time we would never miss having our fill of the daily bread. But when our hearts grow cold, it might be days before we pick up his word again. It doesn't have the central place in our lives that it used to. We take it and we leave it. We maybe just skip through it. Somebody says, what were you reading today? You'd have to say, I haven't a clue. It's had no impression, no impact. Because our our hearts are getting colder. And it's the same with God's house. There was a day we loved going there and now maybe, maybe we struggle. Maybe it's more out of a sense of duty than desire. Same with the church family. You see, the way of the world, when the way of the world touches the church, the church begins to think like the world. What does the church, what, what does love want to do? You think of a family. Love protects. Love covers. Love wants to do the best for. But so often now in the church, there's a devouring. There's no, there isn't the protection. There isn't, there's, you know, we live in a world today where people want to expose everything. And there's this, just this, there's always this glare of everything is out there. And it's a cruel world. And we must guard against that sort of spirit within the church. Because the church is a family. Church of love. Family of love. So we've got to guard against the ways of the world beginning to impact us. Because the more we resemble the world, the less we resemble the Lord. But then we see, despite all the lawlessness, and despite the love growing cold, it tells us the one who endures to the end will be saved. That's a great thing because, you know, the wonderful thing is that once we're safe in Christ, we're safe. That's what Jesus said, I will give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone pluck them out of my hand. Father, Son, and Spirit are involved in your salvation. Involved in saving you, looking after you in this world and taking you home. It's all part of the work, part of their great work. And although we may stray and our hearts grow cold, and maybe... For some or all of us today, we have to say, you know, I'm not where I used to be. I have to confess that maybe, maybe you're having to say that. Yeah, that's me. Sadly, God's house, God's word doesn't mean the same to me. God's people don't mean the same to me. God's day doesn't mean the same to me. All the, well, if so, we need to repent. That's what Jesus said to the church in Laodicea. You've got to repent. He said it quite often to the churches. But you know, the wonderful thing is that the Christian will keep going. Despite the falls, despite, and let's remember that we we live in a world that's powerful, that sucks us in. But you know, when you go to the Bible, there are exceptional saints like Daniel. And you look at him, he was greatly loved, beloved of the Lord. He was an exceptional man. But there were a lot of other exceptional men, and they fell. That's one of the beauties and the honesty of the Bible. And you look at your lots, righteous lot, the New Testament calls them. Look at David. What was the term that was used of him? A man after God's own heart. What a, what a declaration. What a unique believer David was, and yet... We see David succumbed to temptation. And then not only did he succumb to temptation, but he tried to cover his tracks in the most awful way by murder. 
a saint of God. You look at Peter, there was nobody who voiced his love for Jesus more. Oh, he said, so other people will do this and that. Count on me, Lord. And yet a little later, you're seeing Peter with oaths and with curses, denying that he ever knew anything about Jesus. You see, we're weak, we're frail. But you know, God's love is so great, he doesn't let us go. Despite that, he's still holding on to us. That's the beauty of it. Because he's saving us. Saving us from ourselves. But it isn't just a matter of being saved, as it were, in this world, in the sense that our soul is safe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus says he will be saved, he's talking about the full salvation. Our salvation has begun the moment we've come to trust in Jesus Christ. But that's not the end of it. Our souls will pass into glory the moment we die. That's what will happen for every single one who trusts in Jesus. And at that moment, we will discover what salvation is in an ever greater measure. We will see what it involved, and we will see the, towards the end results of the wonder of the glory that has been prepared for us. But that's not the end, because we have to leave our bodies behind. And our bodies, which are so important to us, and in our Christian life, have been such a part of our Christian work. Hands that served, tongues that sang and confessed, feet that carried us, our bodies. And so often as we see this, oh, it's awful. I have to put the body, but it's not the end. Because the body will just, as Jesus rose from the dead, so shall we. And our bodies will be fitted. They will be made right. Same body, not somebody else's. Or not other part components, but our own body will rise and reunite with our soul. Being made suited and fitted for the glorious environment that we will be in forever. And only then will we fully discover what being saved actually means. Because that is what Jesus is talking about. Those who endure to the end will be saved. That is the full salvation that awaits. And the wonder of this gospel is that it isn't confined just to one wee spot. Before the end comes... The gospel will reach all nations, and then the end will come. And now what a wonderful prospect that is. Are you today safe in Jesus? Because there's nowhere else. It's a cruel world out there. But there's a safety, a security, a warmth, a peace in Jesus. And there's nothing that the Lord would love more than you to ask him right now. Lord, come into my heart. Be my Savior. Let us pray. Lord our God, we pray today to bless us. As we read your word, we see difficulties, but we see blessings. We give thanks for your word, and we pray that we might listen to it well, and that we might act wisely on it by your grace. We pray to watch over each and every one of us. Bless the cup of tea in the hall after. Take us all home safely, we pray. Do us good. And take away our every sin in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> We're going to conclude singing in Psalm 80, the 80th Psalm from the Scottish Psalter. Psalm number 80. <clears throat> from the Scottish Psalter. It's on page 334, verse 17, the last three verses. O let thy hand be still upon the man of thy right hand, the son of man whom for thyself thou madest strong to stand. So henceforth we will not go back, nor turn from thee at all. O do thou quicken us, and we upon thy name will call. Turn us again, Lord God of hosts, and upon us vouchsafe to make thy countenance to shine, and so we shall be saved. The tune is heaven, Psalm uh, 80, the last...
the last three verses. Oh, let thy hand be still upon. May the grace, mercy, and peace of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest and abide upon each one of you now and forevermore. Amen.